really want to bless you. We really want to thank you for this year. And as we come into a close of the year, we say, Lord, to you be all the glory. To you be all the honor. To you be all the praise. Uh, Father, we want our Lord Jesus to be glorified in the coming year. We want him to be glorified tonight and tomorrow. And we want him to be glorified throughout 2018. We want, Father, your kingdom to come and your will to be done in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. You may take your seat. Um, since you have eaten into some of my time, you know me and this countdown business, but I will, I will submit myself to the authorities. So you have to help me with the time. And uh, yeah, yeah. So I will stop when I have to stop, all right? But um, I don't believe in the countdown business. You know, in the India church, I think there'll be... It'll be happening. Are they ahead or behind us? Anyone? What's that? They're ahead of us. So they're already in 2018. And um, the rest of the churches, I don't know where they are, the other countries. So, you know, anyway, it's all good. Praise the Lord. Are you, re are you ready? <laughs> I want to share um, the title of today's message. And throughout next month, um, the title of the message is Time to Impact for Christ. If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 5. From verses 13 to 16. Matthew chapter 5 verses 13 to 16. I was privileged this morning to minister in the Enfield Church. And I touched on one or two things. But we're going to go quite different from what was shared this morning. Verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, tonight I want to focus on verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Another scripture I would like to read is in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, <clears throat> verse 7 onwards. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, 
for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen. It's time to impact for Christ. What does impact mean? Now you can see over there we have this, um, this acronym that impact means the following. Impact is I for influence, M for mission, P for prayer. What's the other one? A for authority, C for community, and T for team life. Throughout next year, when we talk about impact, it's with this paradigm in mind. We want to see God use us in a manner, or we believe that God wants to begin to use us as a community of people in a manner that we will begin to actually penetrate. And even the fact that we've moved from where we were in the GDA to where we now are, we believe it's prophetic about how God wants us to serve in the community. I remember sharing with some of the pastors that I, I pray with and meet with and fellowship with in the area, and they told me that that particular area was so needed that if God was to open it, we could make such a difference. And really, we are believing that in this coming year, 2018, the way we as a local church have functioned will begin to drastically change. And that we will begin to function. It's okay. We'll begin to function in a manner. Yeah, he's going to help me with the preaching. <laughs> it's, it's, it's prophetic here. Oh dear. Yeah. We will begin to function very differently to how we have functioned. Now, we want to impact as disciples for Christ. <laughs> We want the impact in the community that we are in, and we want the impact to the nations. And just to say it like this, if, we're gonna, if you and I are going to impact as disciples of Christ, we need the church to help us to do that. You cannot be a proper disciple of Christ without a local church. It's not possible. The way God has done our faith, you need a local church environment to develop you need teachers, you need pastors, you need apostles, prophets, evangelists, equipping you to become a true follower of Christ. There are those who don't believe in going to church, who don't believe in church fellowship, don't believe in that. And it shows by their life. So if you're going to impact as a disciple, a disciplined follower of Christ, and beloved, every church has issues. There is no such thing as a perfect church. The church that I grew up in, without which I will not have all that I have, some of its key fundamentals was false. They had false doctrines. Some of the leaders were not very good people. But yet, that was where God placed me. And through that environment, I became equipped within the grace of God to mature as a follower of Christ. So, sometimes the church that you're in may not have it all together. But if that's where God wants you, it will empower you to become a disciple for Christ. And I want to encourage you as we are entering this new year. It's not just about the new year. It's about the seasons and the dealings of God in your life. God is doing something in our world. Things are happening. I mean, one of my friends who's a very powerful prophet actually said to me that he is 100% convinced that next year will be World War III. He's convinced of it. Now, me, I don't know. I haven't heard that from God. But he's completely convinced next year we're going to find World War III. We are believing that will not happen in Jesus' name. 
<laughs> yeah, but nonetheless, we are not moved. What will happen in the world? Can you say amen? What should be moving us is what God is saying to us. Is the word of the Lord. So we want the impact for Christ as his disciples. And then we want the impact for Christ in the community that we are a part of in this Greenwich area. But also where we find ourselves now as a corporate body. We want the impact for Christ in this community. Especially in the, in the, the Corelli College or Haley's College as they're now changing the name to. In that whole area we want to make a difference. And we're going to be sharing in the coming months. Um, to the church about specific things that we want to do. We want to be a blessing to that college. We don't just want to be going to, to, to have service and don't go home. No. We want to make a difference to that school. There's hundreds of people in that school. Can you imagine if three or five of you in this place ganged together to be a blessing to the young people in that college? What difference it can make? Can you imagine if, let's say, we decided as a church to sponsor, say, 100 families a meal for Christmas in that area? Have you, ever, have you been to that area? Have you walked around the area? Have you seen what it's like? Anyone? Anyone done that? Well, maybe you should do it. Is, it. is it a very affluent area? It's, a, it's, it's very deprived, isn't it? It's a very needy area, and that's why God has sent us there. Can you imagine what could happen if, let's say, as a church, we decided, we found out, let's say, they're having problems with... Um, textbooks, and we as a church decided to donate, let's say, 5,000 pounds. Can you imagine? It could make a difference, you know. Could it make a difference? Yeah. So we want to hear from God. We want to find out what he wants us to do in the community because next year or tomorrow and or next in the hour to come, <laughs> we want to make a difference. And also we want to make a difference to the nations. Impact means we are going to impact the nations. The Holy Spirit has been really speaking to me very strongly about our responsibility, my responsibility to the nations. And, of course, it's our responsibility. And, you know, there's some amazing things that can happen. When I was in Enfield, I was sharing with the Enfield Church that one of our members, where is she? Gladys. Sister Gladys, where are you? Where are you? Sister Gladys. Is she? That lady over there. Give her a hand. That lady over there. She's a wonderful woman. Let me tell you something about this lady, because we're talking about impact. I want to show you how powerful and how practical this can be. Sister Gladys has been on many mission trips, all funded by herself. Never once have we paid her ticket. She's always found the money and gone on mission trips. Now, in, our, in the churches in Ghana, we have 13 churches. Of those 13 churches, she's planted two of them. She has, without direction from me, she would hear from God and she would go to the area and then give me the headache afterwards. <laughs> but she has planted two churches of her own initiative and those churches are standing. She even bought land and the land she bought, at first we thought it was rubbish land. Now the, the councils have st actually stolen our land but we are believing God that we'll get double portion. The point is the land, she, she, she did these things out of her own initiative. The church in Enfield, she started that church. Again, I didn't tell her to. She decided, we need a church in Enfield. Uh, Pastor Joe. <laughs> God is showing me. <laughs> I should start church. So she went, she started church. And when she gathered a few, then she came and said, um, can you give me a pastor? Another headache. But anyway, but then 
But now the church is doing really well. What am I trying to say? You don't have to have all the knowledge. You don't have to have all the... You see, at times, sometimes our knowledge is in the way. I was sharing with somebody um, that I, don't have a, I didn't have a GCSE when I left school. They were shocked. But you don't have to have all the knowledge to be used of God in any way God wants to use you. And if you open your spirit to what God wants to say to us through these messages, there's no telling what you can do. So let's talk about impacting for Christ. Beloved, you can make a difference with God. For some of us, 2017 has been a horrible year. It's a fact. Some of the situations that has come to our table have been terrible. You know, you entered 2017 with such life and promise, but by the end of it, such disappointment and heartache. Others, this year has really been a phenomenal year. For many in our church, I've seen it's been a phenomenal year. We really have left. I mean, even as a church, we have never prayed every day before in a year, every single day. But from the last week of February till today, Every single day, this church has been praying. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Every single day. Now clap, you should clap. Don't, don't be guilty just because you weren't doing it. Clap. <laughs> That's amazing. And what has been so encouraging has been those who've been dialing in. The last four days, I have not been able to dial in. Um, and uh, Aisha has been dialing in. And it's just been so encouraging to see how people have been consistently praying. You know, as we keep praying, there's no doubt in my mind God is going to break out among us. But what I'm trying to say is it's been, in some cases, it's been such a great year. New cells have started. New things have happened. People have risen up. People are walking in more holiness and more confidence. That's great. But that's just the beginning. I tell you, you can make a difference with God if you are willing to make yourself available to him. In Isaiah 6, 8, the Lord asks the question, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And this question is still relevant. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Now, the thing is, is this. When we're talking about impacting for Christ, often we end up disqualifying ourselves because we think the things that we're facing right now, the challenges that are ahead of us right now, maybe our own failures mean we are not ready for God to use us significantly. I'm here to tell you this, that even though you might be facing the challenges that you are facing, there is so much uncertainty and chaos in this world that you are needed. I'm telling you, people need what you're going through to be able to tell them, listen, this is what I have gone through, but this is why I'm still following the Lord Jesus. You know, at times when we testify, we testify, you know, kind of a slanted testimony. We make it out like there was no pain, there was no tears. That's why I really enjoyed the testimony of Lara and um, Wally, you know, in the journey, there's going to be pain. There's going to be disappointments. 
There's going to be hardships. There's going to be failures. It is part and parcel of the journey. But Jesus still wants us to make an impact. In spite of those things. In the journey, there will be failure. There will be failure. In fact, in the journey, at times you will fall. But Jesus still wants you to make impact. Now the scripture that I read, Paul the Apostle was sharing about the weakness he had to deal with. He had a thorn in the flesh. God gave him a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what that is. Some people said he had some kind of eye infection. I don't know what it is. All I know is that thorn in the flesh in the Bible normally was not a sickness. But I don't know what it was. But he said that the thorn in the flesh had a demonic dimension to it. It was a messenger from Satan. In other words, the enemy was able to attack him and harass him in some way. Paul said he prayed three times that God would take it away. And God said no. Sometimes you're going through something. You can't bear it. It's like you can't bear it anymore. It's like, Lord, what I'm going through, I can't bear it. The last thing I need is impact for Christ. <laughs> I don't need another demand on my life. I need this thing solved. And God said, no. God didn't even say, wait. He gave him an answer. He said, no. How do you deal with the no's of God? When you believe God should come through for you, and God says, I'm not prepared to come through for you. How would you deal with that? In the church world today, the paradigm is God always comes through for us. As if God owes us. Beloved, God only comes through for us when it is according to his purposes. Sometimes God will deliberately not come through for us because that is part of his purpose. Are you still here? But God said to him, the Lord Jesus actually said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. What is that? In other words, my ability to empower you in your times of weakness is enough. It's, it's not the kind of message or answer you need to hear when you're going through something. Lord, I'm in pain. A few years ago, I went through tremendous pain. I was in tremendous pain. And I was saying to the Lord, I would say to him, as I was crying, I say, Father, I'm in pain. I can't deal with this pain. It's so horrible. Please help me. And I got in response, silence. Not a sausage. No answer. I'd go. This went on for months. Yeah, when I'd be preaching and all of that, you wouldn't know it. But this went on for months. I was in tremendous pain. And then finally the Lord spoke to me. And you think the answer was something like, my son, Joseph, whom I love. <laughs> Behold, now that you've gone through, no, it wasn't nothing like that. When he spoke to me, it was to correct me. It was to correct me. It was literally a rebuke. And he said, the reason why this pain is there is because you should have done this and that. And you didn't do it. And so suck it up. So I said, amen. 
And he said, now heal, heal your servant. Quickly help me. Yeah. And it took, it took about a year to heal. What am I saying? God, at times, for him to use you significantly, he has to take you through a process of weakness. And I believe one of the things I must communicate to you, for God to use you to impact for Christ, you have to be able to tread the path of weakness. Even the last six weeks, um, you can tell in how I'm speaking that, you know, kind of is a bit nasally. The last six weeks, uh, six weeks ago, I said to myself, right, I've been going to the gym, trying a little bit, you know. <laughs> so, I said to myself six weeks ago, right now, we're going to step it up a notch. We're going to go five times a week. Somehow, I'm going to maneuver. After prayer in the morning, I'm going to dash to the gym, come back and do whatever I need to do, and then spend time in prayer. And then do, go to the office and all of that stuff. I planned it. Planned it. Monday came. We followed the procedure. Tuesday, something happened so I couldn't maneuver. By Wednesday, I noticed, mm, my throat, my body was Thursday, Friday, man flu. <laughs> so that was out. So it took me about a week. We're going somewhere with this. It took me about a week. Two weeks later, I was now ready, said to Aish, ah, I am going to the gym. And I was looking forward to it. Now, you have to understand, I don't particularly like gyms. I don't know if you can tell. I don't particularly like gyms. But something had happened. A miracle had taken place. And then watch night is coming. I want to be a bit slimmer for watch night. <laughs> so, I, again, Monday came. I couldn't go. So, Tuesday, I went to the gym. Wednesday, I was ready in my tracksuit, taking my son to school. And as I'm taking him to school, I twist my ankle. Now, I've twisted my ankle many times. Normally, when I twist my ankle, I say, hallelujah, praise you, Jesus, glory to God. And sometimes, somehow, does the work. Now, this time, I didn't say, hallelujah, praise you, Jesus, glory to God. And this is the honest reason, two reasons. One, there were a lot of people around. Right? So I didn't want it to seem a bit weird. But secondly, the pain was so excruciating. That didn't come to mind in that quickly. <laughs> so I was hobbling. And then I was on the floor and Joe was like looking at me like, you okay, Dad? <laughs> so I'm trying to you know, style it out. And um, I couldn't walk. So this lady came, do you need help, sir? I'm like, no. No, actually, yeah. And they had to take Joe, and then they, a lady had to help me with a guy <laughs> to my car. And so for a whole week, things swollen, and I couldn't, I couldn't move. The good thing was that Sunday I didn't come to church. I hobbled to all the shop to preach, so you didn't see it. So there's no gym again. That's where we're going with this. So two, three weeks. Now, when I began to sense strength, I start to plan. Now I'll go to the gym and do some upper body. As I thought about it, I could sense something happening here. <laughs> and then again, knocked me out. This time I couldn't even swallow. Now, in all of this, I'm like, 
okay, what is now going on here? Because this is now like five weeks of different things. It's not God saying you can't go to the gym. I'm going somewhere with this. And I realized there's something God is trying to speak to me about, amongst other things. And it's about weakness. How you deal with weakness. You have to understand, my paradigm at times allows me to be very self-reliant. But sometimes God wants you to be completely God-reliant. Which meant now, the way I would pray normally, I like to pray walk. I could pray walk for three hours. I couldn't do that. I like to spend time in prayer and do certain things the way that I do. I don't know what that is all about. I couldn't do that either. <laughs> um, and the way I would normally function, I couldn't function. And it meant I have to now completely rely on God for strength because I had no strength. My strength that I would normally have, I had no strength. And I realized in that moment, those moments of weakness, I could also make myself available to God so that God can still use me in spite of my weakness. So at times I shall say to me, do you want me to do this for you? I said, no, 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 no. I don't believe I should not do this. And so I come and preach or do whatever I had to do in my weakness. What am I saying? If you're going to make impact for Christ, don't go from a place of your strength. Don't go from a place of strength. Don't approach things from a place of what you can do. But learn to approach things on what God wants to do. God chooses to use you and I because he places tremendous value on us in spite of our weaknesses. The key thing, if you want to impact for Christ, is to make yourself available. Now let's look at the scripture. He says, you are the salt of the earth. It's not saying you can be. You are the salt. And why? You see, in the context when Jesus is speaking, salt was very valuable. And it's like the Lord is saying this. As his disciples, we are to play a valuable role in society. It is not you can be salt. He said you are the salt of the earth. So what kind of function did salt have in his day? Well, at times the Roman soldiers were even paid with salt. That's how valuable it was. Imagine as a soldier you've gone in battle and they paid you in salt. <laughs> if it wasn't valuable, somebody would be dead. <laughs> but the point is that as disciples, he's using salt to show the value that we are to the world. Amongst other things, salt is a preservative. It's an antiseptic. It's a fire catalyst. It's a fertilizer. But when you look at how the Lord is using this salt metaphor, it appears that he's using it in the context of it being a seasoning agent. It's as if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned, one version says. In other words, our Lord's mention of the taste of salt is speaking about how we as 
his people, when we influence situations, we bring the best out of it. We bring the best out of it. And to get the proper context, you have to read Matthew 5, 3 to 12, the Beatitudes. Because he shares the Beatitudes and then and the blessed are this, blessed are, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed is the kingdom of heaven, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted and so forth. And it's on the back of that that he says, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. Now, in 2018, God is calling us to be attractive to him. Not from a place of our strength, but from a place of weakness where you realize that without him, you can't do it. Listen, I am convinced that so many people are waiting on God to come on them and then they'll become a different person and God is waiting on us to just say, yes, I'm available in spite of me, in spite of my issues. In my journey, these 35 years of walking with the Lord, one thing has been a constant, and is this, my weaknesses. My weaknesses. But in my weaknesses, I see how God has changed me. How God has changed my appetites. How God has changed my value system. How God has changed the way I deal with issues. Even my, my children, my sons, over the years have seen how I have changed in spite of me. I, 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 I used to tell Daniel, I'm a crappy father. I know I'm, I could do better. But as the years have gone by, I've seen how God has changed me. What I'm saying is, is this. God is not looking for supermen and women. He's looking for available people. If you are going to impact for Christ, bring all those issues, those family issues, the confusions, the pain, the disappointments, bring them. The failures, the moral failures, the secret sins, bring them. Bring them before him. Tell him, Lord, I want you to use me. These are my issues. Help me. Don't try and deal with them before you come to God. That's not how it works, beloved. It has never worked. Don't, uh, don't let people lie to you. It has never worked where people have tried to deal with their issues first before they come to God. That's not how it works. In Isaiah 1, 18, he says, Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Reason with God about the issues in your life. Can you say amen? amen? The failures of 2017 can actually empower you to be available, to be impacting for Christ. Don't, there's no need to hide the failures. At times, people hide failure. They hide it. They pretend. I hate pretense. I hate it because it just keeps us in bondage. Say to your neighbor, I have issues. Tell him. Come on. Say to somebody else, I have issues. Yeah. But God will use me. Tell him, God will use me. Yeah, I have issues, but God will use me. 
And the wonderful thing about this, beloved, is this. As you make yourself available to God, those of you online, as you make yourself available to God, he actually begins to change you. That's the amazing thing. You will actually change. Things will actually drop off. Things that you think could never drop off will drop off from your life. As a young man growing up, I honestly thought there were certain things I would, would never stop. But they've stopped for years. But when I was going through those times, I honestly thought, as for this one, in fact, we were even taught this thing will never go. But let me tell you, if you want to be free, never give in. Never give up just because you gave in. Never give up just because you gave in to something. Keep asking God to change you. Can you say amen? Now, one of the things that salt does is that it causes its consumers to become thirsty. So as disciples, when we seek to be salt, be the people God wants us to be by making ourselves available to him, you know what happens? Your life becomes attractive. When, before I went full-time in the ministry and in the workplace, I was like everybody except people knew I was a Christian and all of that stuff. But one thing that I noticed was people made a distinction between how I serve the Lord and how others who claim to be Christians serve the Lord. They made the distinction. They made this. I didn't make the decision. They made the distinction because they saw the difference. And they said, your Christianity seems different from theirs. And it was a compliment. But they also saw my, my issues. People are not looking for perfect people. They're looking for transparent people. And as you seek to do that, God will make your life attractive. You will be salt to your world. Another thing that salt does is this. Just like salt will cause food to become tasty, so when we as disciples allow our influence in whatever area God places us, that situation will become improved. You see, when the church decided to come out of politics, to come out of the media, to come out of education, you know what happened? Others occupied that place. And now we're seeing what has happened. You think that these philosophies that are now being promoted just happened yesterday? It's been building up for 25, 30 years. Because people like us decided that to be sought meant we just came to church. Sometimes Christians are very loud in church about their faith. And very quiet when they are outside. I pray that in 2018, that will not be your portion. When the righteous pulled out of all these places of influence, their righteous decisions left them as they pulled out. And now we have ungodliness ruling. But you can make a difference. Say to your neighbor, you can make a difference. In 2018... Whatever the influence you find yourself in, seek to make a difference for Christ. 
Seek to make a difference for Christ. Listen, whatever you are going through right now, whatever you're going through, and I know some of you, you're going through pain. Seek to make a difference for Christ with your pain. With your pain. Lord, I'm going through pain, but I want to bring glory to you through this pain. Isn't that wonderful? Your old self might curse, might curse. But you're saying, Lord, I want to make a difference. Now, for some of you, this coming year, you're going to get married. At least you're going to meet somebody. I'm not saying who, but I can see it. Yeah. <laughs> so you're happy about that, I'm sure. But so, some of you won't get married. <laughs> but it's good. It's a good thing. You see, you liked it when I said you'll get married. <laughs> you'll get married. Or at least you meet someone. But for some, they won't get married. But it will be the best thing that happened to them for not to get married. But you can still impact for Christ even if you don't get married. One day, I was talking to a man of God. And he said he had prophesied to somebody that they'll get married. And they did not get married. So he was really troubled. So he asked the Lord. And the Lord said to them, I sent different ones to this person. But they are very, very choosy. That's why they are not married. So I'm just saying. I don't know what that's got to do with anything. But I'm just saying. <laughs> My question I want to ask you is this. Assault. How are your family influenced because of you? How are your friends affected because of your faith? You know, if your non-Christian friends have a dream, you could actually use that to communicate the gospel. If your non-Christian friends are sick, you could actually use that to pray for them to be healed. I remember one day Zen um, and one of his non-Christian friends was, was um, having some headache. And they said to him, do your headache thing. They said, do your headache thing. I'm thinking, do your headache thing. What a, what, a, what a testimony. Do your headache thing. In other words, tell the thing to go so that the headache can. Now they won't say, maybe Zen, you should have preached a better message. <laughs> you and I are supposed to be the spice of life to your sphere of influence, assault. Don't be afraid. Don't be shy about your faith. Look, the homosexuals are not shy about the, what they stand for. They are very proud to be gay. And these days, even in church, people are proud to be gay. Hallelujah. What an amazing thing. Hmm. The Muslim proud to pray. They can just, you know, you are, you are walking, you're walking your way and then suddenly some Muslim will just put their mat out and then Allah, 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 and then they do their thing. The Christian is praying. Who's watching? No, no, no. Listen, one day we, we, we were having a prayer meeting we had hired this place. 
and some, some non-Christians were sitting there. We said, we've come to pray. And they were like, we're not moving. I said, okay, have a seat. So it's time to pray. Kandurababashaya, deliberate. I know some of you will have problems with that. Began to bust down. Shakamo, come on, let's pray. Let's declare. He called They packed their stuff and walked out. I wasn't, they weren't Christians, so whether we prayed in English or not, they'll think we're crazy anyway. And my prayer was between me and my, I said, it's time to pray. Let's pray. Let's begin to speak in tongues. Shabo Rabantara. Yeah. Why? You shouldn't be embarrassed about your faith. I remember one day, some Muslims again decided to challenge me. They were going to speak some words to me about what I believe. They're going to put some curses. I said, you've chosen the wrong person. I said, let's do it. Let's do it. There was a scene. People gathered. I said, do it. Do it. Start. <laughs> After three syllables of tongues, they said, let's end it. They said, I'm, I'm not. they tried to feel afraid. I said, of course you will feel afraid. These tongues are atomic tongues. Atomic. <laughs> Listen, you must never apologize for your faith. I am waiting for the day I go on question time. If I am ever asked, it will be wonderful. I'll get so many boos. So many boos. They'll ask me questions and I'll just tell them the truth. So are you saying we're all going to hell? Of course I am, if you don't repent. Of course I am. No PC. I will be deliberate. No PC. I also take our life insurance, double portion, just in case. <laughs> now, it's worth mentioning that salt is also an antiseptic. Now, this is the bit. And as an antiseptic, yes, it has healing agents to it, healing properties. But when applied, it's what? Painful. When applied to infection, it's painful. Spiritually speaking, we need to remember that people will not always understand us and will even misunderstand us because of our salty nature. We shouldn't let that put us off. People will even say to us, come on, calm down a bit. Don't be so radical. Why are you reading Romans 1 for? The wrath of God has come upon the disobedient. You know, judge them. I mean, have you ever read Romans 1? One day read Romans 1 in your workplace and see whether you still have a job. <laughs> That's what, um, what's that guy who was preaching that? Thing, that pastor? He was reading portions of Romans 1 and they called the police on him. And he became famous because of us. Let's move on. People will even think you're being judgmental. But you have to tell people that you, part of being salt is that you will lose people. You will. You will lose people. And you will win people. But if you are salt in the long run, your salt will produce what it's supposed to. We must love people enough 
to be honest with them. We must love people enough to be honest that even if it hurts, if it means that they reject us, then so be it. That's what being salt is about. That's part of impacting for Christ. Impacting for Christ doesn't mean that everybody's going to follow. Sometimes it will mean you will lose some. Now, I'm not saying become outrageous, you know, like me a bit. No, don't get me wrong. I believe in using wisdom. But when you are seeking to be sought, sometimes it would mean that you will lose people who are dear to you. The problem that we have in the church is we are so much wanting to be accepted by the world. Now look at what our Lord says in Matthew 13. If the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? He said, it is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Now, strictly speaking, salt cannot lose its saltiness because sodium chloride, which is salt, is a staple compound. However, the salt in Jesus' day was seldom pure sodium chloride. What it actually was, it was collected from the Dead Sea area and it contained a mixture of minerals. So there was potential for the pure salt to be washed out, leaving a useless residue that lacked in saltiness. And what the Lord was teaching was that as God's people, we are supposed to be salt of the earth. But if we refuse to be who we are, then the, the, the potential is that we become irrelevant. We become, we lose our saltiness. It means we, you are no longer relevant for who? To God. In our churches today, we are trying to be relevant to the world. I believe it's a big mistake. It's, you don't need to be relevant to the world. You need to be salt to the world and your relevance will become evident. You know, it said in the days of the apostles that people did not dare to join them and yet they grew. Why? Because they demonstrated the authentic faith in their character, in their morals, in their values, and in the power of God. And I believe that as a church, as we keep praying, and as we keep praying, the power temperature will slowly, slowly rise. Right now, we're nowhere. Right now, we're nowhere. But as we keep praying, as we keep fasting, as we keep believing God, as we keep pressing in, little by little, you're going to see things happen. You're going to see things happen. Can you say amen, somebody? Amen. As we keep pressing in, little by little. Now, some, this coming year, some will leave our church. They will leave. Some will leave because God wants them to. Some will leave because of their heart. But others will come. It's part of it. And as we keep pressing, as we keep pressing, as we keep pressing, we're going to see, not so much next year, but in the years ahead, we're going to see a phenomenal move of the power of God. When we started this church many years ago, the Lord showed me something as time went on of a, a dimension of power that I believe he wants us to enter into. But it would take us keep pressing in. Now, he says... If the salt loses its saltiness, if it becomes tasteless, the only thing it is good for is to be trampled underfoot by men. Now, that word tasteless in the Greek is moreno, 
which literally means foolish. In other words, when we as God's people cease to be salt, we become foolish in God's eyes. Is there any wonder now, the church now is saying to schools, let children decide if they want to be boys or girls. If a five-year-old says they believe they're a girl and they're a boy, the church is telling the schools, allow it. It is called foolishness. I said it is called foolishness. How many of you, when you were children, thought you liked to play like you were the opposite sex? You're not going to admit it. I did. I did. Look at you. Look at you. I think there's some issues. There's some need for healing somewhere. Why can't you admit that? Ah, how many of you come and be honest? Uh, now there's some honesty happening. Well, you still want to do it now, even at this age. Okay, maybe. Okay, fair enough. It's normal. It's normal for a child to. How many of you felt that you weren't really supposed to be in your family when you were growing up? <laughs> in fact, my, one of my friends told me he reckoned I was an alien. Thanks. <laughs> I honestly, I used to wonder, you know, as you get into sci-fi, I used to wonder, maybe, you know, you watch a bit of Star Trek here and there, close encounters of the third kind, fourth kind, or whatever, and you think, maybe, it's normal. But what the church is supposed to do is to give light. Is to say, actually, no. Let parents decide for their children. Let parents decide. There's no way I'm going to allow Joel to decide if he wants to be Jolene. That's not going to happen. Ain't going to happen. Ain't going to happen. Or Daniel says, dad, in his voice, dad. I think I want to be called Daniel. No way. That ain't going to happen. Even the earring business and all of that, that's not happening. Let's move on quickly. (laughs) So losing our saltiness as believers means we become irrelevant. In 2018, don't become irrelevant. I said don't become irrelevant. Some of you, you've allowed yourselves to be irrelevant. I want to encourage you from today. Whatever you've gone through, whatever's happened in 2017, put it behind you. Embrace your call. Embrace the high call upon your life. There's so much you can do. I'm telling you. One day, a young man came to his pastor, very scared. He said, Pastor, I've got something to confess. For the last six months, I have been um, preaching. I've actually planted a church and we have 50 people. I'm really sorry. I want to apologize. Now, that is the kind of confession we want to be hearing. Not I've got three girls pregnant confession. (laughs) Now, if you've done that, come and confess as well, but still. That is not... are, Are you listening to me? I want to conclude and say to you, in this coming year, God wants to use you. Second Timothy 2.20 and 21. But you have a choice. You can decide to remain as you have always done and say next year and next year. 
Or you can decide and say, you know what? This coming year, I want to impact for Christ. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, from dishonor, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master and prepared for every good work. Do you know how long it takes you to cleanse yourself? How long do you think it takes? One week, one month, one year? It takes a decision. It takes a decision. A decision to repent, to change your attitude and your way of thinking about how you've been living. That's how you cleanse yourself from dishonor. In 2018, embrace your high calling. Listen, God is going to take some of you from this place and send you out. Yeah. Some of you, you come and you go. And some of you, you go and maybe visit us once in a while. In the coming years, I want to encourage you. As a church, we are going to grow from strength to strength. You're going to see more people beginning to preach on this pulpit. Some of you, God has been laying you on my heart to help prepare you. You'll be preaching, and then we release you. We send you away so that you don't preach anymore. <coughs> <laughs> But most of you, what God is going to do with you, it's not going to be in here. When you come here, it will be to strengthen you. It will be to empower you. But what God is going to do with you, it's going to be out there. You can change policy, Kennedy. I'm telling you. God has put in you a warrior spirit. You see how you feel about issues? That's not natural. That's from God. If you're waiting for the rest of us to be like you, forget it. It ain't going to happen. That's from God. You can change policy. You can change policy. One woman wrote a piece, a paper. And in 88, she published it. And that's what's governing now schools, colleges, the media. In her paper, one of the things she said was that homosexuality must become normal. It must be normalized. Christian um, and Judeo-Christian worldview must be eradicated. She put this, she put that, she put, in fact, she wrote it way before in the 50s, but in the 80s, it was resurrected. And today, it's become normal. In fact, they've gone up a notch. You can make a difference. I said you can make a difference. Whatever it is that you believe God wants you to do, please seek to do it for Christ. Seek to do it for Christ. There's a young lady in Lambeth, awesome woman. Her name is Kemi. Kemi Fularin, some of you know her. Kemi for about 10, 12 years has been running a youth club. 
I remember when she started. I hope she doesn't mind me saying this. When she started that, I remember the time of her life. She was going through a challenge, even a crisis of faith. But she started that thing. And today, she's become a mentor for many people. She started without no assistance from the church, not a penny. She serves in the church. She's very faithful. I think she serves as an usher, being committed to the church. But what she's doing out there is phenomenal. Let me tell you, you were made for signs and wonders. Don't wait for me to come and tell you what you should do. God's hand is upon you. Say, God's hand's upon me. God wants to use you to impact for Christ. He says, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Let's stand. I want you to begin to pray and consecrate yourself and your life and the coming year to the Lord. Can you do that? I said, can you do that? Begin to lift your hands. Begin to pray. If I can have some, some of the musicians, just Matt and um, whoever, who, uh, sorry, whoever's on here, Chris, sorry, and um, different ones. I want you to lift your hands to the Lord and I want you to begin to dedicate yourself to him. Whatever you've been going through this coming year, this year gone, and whatever you're going to go through, God wants to use you to impact for him. I see different mantles on different ones. The prophetic mantle on some of you. I see on some of you strong anointing to draw souls into the kingdom of God. Some of you social justice issues. Some of you education. Some of you just working on the vulnerable behind the scenes. Lift your hands to the Lord and re-consecrate yourself. There's things that God has spoken to you about. Why don't you tell him and say yes to him about those things right now? After the countdown, we're going to do some prayers and some ministration. God wants to use you tremendously, but you must make yourself available. You must make yourself available. It's no joke. You must make yourself available. Young people, listen to me. When we were 16, 17, 18, God was visiting us. We didn't know it at the time. But it's what transformed us. We saw other young people. They were in church like we were in church. But they played around. But we did not play around. We went to prayer meetings. We fasted. We did evangelism. We studied the Bible. We researched things. We debated with Jehovah's Witnesses. With Rastafarians. With Mormons. We debated with professors, with people who were more educated than us. And we prevailed because we wanted to know God for ourselves. Young people, God is calling you 
to rededicate yourself to him. I'm talking teenagers specifically now. And if you are saying as a teenager that you want to make yourself available to God, you want to impact for Christ, I want you to come to the front. Don't look at your friends. And dedicate yourself to God. And when you come to the front, I want you to lift your hands to God. Close your eyes and begin to pray. Don't look at anyone. When I was in church, some of the pastor's children, they were terrible children. They were terrible children. We never looked at them. We had no respect for them because the way they behaved. They were awful people. Now, don't look at anyone because of their, their parent. You must know God for yourself. You must know God for yourself. One of the things that inspires me about my son, he told me, he's not serving God because of me. There's no way. You must know God for yourself. Tell God you want him to use you to impact for Christ. If some of the ministers can come right now and help pray with these young people, I'm going to now hand over to Abigail. Ministers, please, Pastor Pete, different ones, come, come and talk to them, pray with them quickly. And Abby, just guide us for the rest and then after us we'll do some ministry. begin to worship the Lord. Let's lift our voice as these ones are here. We can raise our hands as well wherever we are and begin to dedicate ourselves. Let's just lift our hands church and begin to worship and begin to pray and press into God for ourselves as well. Yeah. 